This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. I'd like to thank our sponsors who make our podcast possible. We take our podcast with the ongoing support of Raider and Jason Sikora, our sound engineer. Raider is a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. I'd also like to thank Lafayette General Health, who has joined the Oshner Health family and is now Oshner Lafayette General. As one health system, Oshner Lafayette General will provide expanded services and enhanced care from the familiar faces you already trust. Oshner Lafayette General means more resources to help solve healthcare's toughest problems, reinvesting in our communities, and being further committed to health and wellness. Oshner Lafayette General together means more. Learn more today at togethermeansmore.org. Adam Zayer, CEO of Fly Guys, a drone services company based here in Lafayette, is our guest. Fly Guys operates in all 50 states and 72 countries worldwide. The company has experienced annual growth of 200% per year for the past three years. Adam has six years of experience in aerial drone operations and logistics. An LSU graduate with a degree in construction engineering, Adam previously worked for Cajun Constructors in heavy industrial project management. In that position, he gained invaluable experience supervising over 1,500 workers on large projects. We're here today to talk about the growth of his business and the types of industries who utilize aerial drone technology. Adam Zayer, welcome to Discover Lafayette. So you studied construction management, and here you are now um, kind of setting the curve for what's going to happen. We were talking about new technologies coming up. You're at the the cutting edge of drone technology. Yeah, yeah. So um, started off in construction, um, got a degree from LSU, and then just Hopped around on different projects for about 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, and it's all management, right? So my background, logistics, operation, coordination of people, material, mm-hmm. uh, equipment, that sort of thing. It, it plays really naturally into uh, drone operations at a large scale nationwide. So let's talk about your experience, though. You were in Lake Charles. Did you work on which large projects were you the working Sassel on? The project. That's what I thought. Yeah, so yeah. There's, there was just unbelievably... Large amounts of money being poured into Lake Charles. Yeah, it was, originally it was an $8 billion spin. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it finally came out to, but it was a very large project. I was there for over four years. As a young man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, late 20s, early 30s. Um, worked my way up. I started off as a project controls manager, which essentially is responsible for managing the project from a cost perspective mm-hmm. and making sure that the estimates that we turn in on estimated cost, material, time, or on budget and on track with reality. Mm-hmm. So it's a way for the owners to um, get an idea of how the project's performing. So that's what I started off as. Gosh, did you ever think you'd be doing that in college, like a project of that size? Oh, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do mm-hmm. when I was in college. So I think that's pretty typical, though. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Were you from that area? No, I grew up in Slidell. Okay. Slidell, yeah, North Shore. Mm-hmm. So over yeah. in, uh, I went to Slidell High. 
Okay. So what interested me, when people go look at your, your website, Fly Guys, drones are something I've heard of. And I guess I've, you know, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm really ignorant on this. I'll go into Costco in like at Christmas time, and you'll see you can buy, write a package with a drone in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always thought of it, I guess, in two ways. I know that kids will like to play with things. And I've seen video on TV, but from what you were telling me, very there, there's a very small percentage of use of drones right now across the board and it can be used in almost any industry to help efficiencies if you can talk about that Correct, i mean yeah. it's it, it's just amazing to me what's being done and most of us don't know much about this yeah so there's an adoption curve just in any new technology and right now i believe the adoption curve is with the innovators and it's at about eight mm-hmm. percent of you know industry is using using drones and that you know it's going to go to 100 percent. so we have a long way to go and i can um so it started off with uh you know the the big money from venture capital firms and whatnot went into the equipment so being able to essentially fly a drone have a drone uh stay in the air for more than 20 30 minutes and then it went to the sensors the different types of sensors rgb sensors thermal infrared sensors measures the heat signature of the material you're looking at uh, multi-spectral sensors for agriculture and then lidar and then all the development and money went towards software applications for mapping and planning and stitching of images and 3d rendering and you know, so it, it had to go through those different mm-hmm. uh, different stages before it was commercially viable. And now all those stages have, you know, it, they're being improved, but it's there mm-hmm. for now commercial entities to start using it and finding applications to use it for. And that Do you know when drones were created? Like, how long has this been around? I mean, they had uh, RC copters and RC remote-controlled airplanes for a while, 30 years, but... Um, 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it started off, the commercial industry started off with something called a 333 exemption. So you you had to have a private pilot's license to fly a drone commercially. Even though you'd be on the ground? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's correct, because the drone is in the airspace. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to make sure, you know, nobody's uh, violated any uh, FAA regulations, right? So you had to be a commercial. You had to be a pilot. You had to have a pilot's license, and that limited the number. Oh, that really limits. Of, it limited the number of individuals uh, able to fly commercially to uh-huh. about five thousand within the United States. So that kind of really held down the market. But also, by it limiting the number, you had people that could essentially build conventional businesses and conventional business models because mm-hmm. you could charge higher prices for these uh, mm-hmm. sort of operations. But then the FAA uh, turned the switch and released something called the 107 certification, which allowed anybody that can pass a test, um, get a 70% or more on this test to fly drones commercially. Um, That's a big switch. It was a big switch, and it flooded the market (laughs) uh, from 5,000 pilots to essentially 150,000 pilots, effectively overnight. So what were people 30 years ago wanting to use a drone for? Uh, probably like uh, flare stack inspections, industrial inspections, anywhere where you can't, you know, those, anywhere where you can't get a, a man or a crane, uh, something like that, I mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. I was thinking it might be for like commercial real estate or something to fly over, but you're saying it was more like in the, 
what you did, kind of. Uh, yeah, just because back plants. then it was it was really expensive, and not a lot of people uh-huh. did them. Uh-huh. Did, used drones thirty years ago. You know. So, um, how has it evolved? And I, I want to get to what you do because I know you've just been in the yeah. business about six years. But how how did that evolve over time? The past few decades. That I'm not sure. I wasn't in it uh, in the RC world. Um, just barely born. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think. Um, the equipment and the sensors just had to come down in price and the mm-hmm. technology had to be there. And, you know, now that we're finally there, now people can start figuring out what to do with this technology. It's just like the Internet back in the, uh, you know, late 90s, 80s, yeah. early 90s. Uh-huh. Oh, I know this is going to be important. I don't know exactly what we're going to do with it yet, but right. I know it's going to be big. Right. I thought it was interesting. We were in my backyard before we started taking a photo and your assistant, JP, was with us. And I wanted to see y'all fly a drone. And I live near the airport, and apparently I'm in the flight path, and so we couldn't put the drone up. And it wasn't that big of a piece of equipment, but it still would be violating the FAA rules. That so is it is. It must be highly regulated as it to is. what people can do. It is. It is. Airspace uh-huh. is um, very highly regulated. Right. right. Well, I had some questions for you. Maybe this will help you kind of jump into it. So. I looked on your website, Fly Guys, and um, there's just so many different uses. Let's start with agriculture. I thought that was interesting that people in the agricultural industry could use drones. Yeah, sure. So um, the term that they use um, is precision agriculture. So you can detect all sorts of things using different sensors. So you can detect the height of the plant. You can detect the count. So they have algorithm, algorithms that can go and look at um, an ortho mosaic or drone data and essentially go one, two, three, four, five, six and count the number of plants. And then from that, you can actually uh, produce um, yieldage. And then from that, you can produce financial metrics. Oh, God, and, for your banker. And figure out how much yeah. you know crop yield you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And then you can also um, detect different um, pests or different types of disease or the general health of the plant using um, essentially multispectral cameras, which um, uses five different bands in the electromagnetic spectrum and compares the imaging with um, library images of different conditions of different plants. And then it can essentially match up and see, hey, this is probably what's happening with this plant. This plant is in good health, et cetera, et cetera. And you can also tell you know, where you need to spray more pesticides which areas need more water, which area needs less water, et cetera, et cetera. It's still kind of early in the game in the agricultural sector. It's one of those sectors that's taking a little bit longer than anticipated to adopt the technologies uh, for whatever reason, but it's projected to be the biggest industry for drones. How close did the drones get to the plants, to the crops? Okay, so yeah, so... um, it depends on the back-end analysis of the software company that's using the that's producing the 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 reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had clients ask us to fly as little as five feet to fifteen feet uh, higher than than the crops, all the way up to four hundred feet. So it all depends on what you're doing with the data in post processing and analytics. Uh-huh. So it, it's it's all different, and they have probably. 20 different companies out there that have been funded that are using drone data to try to get into this market and figure out yeah. what's what's really going to be useful to farmers and some of these big agricultural players. What a time and money saver. I think back, it, it's been over 30 years now, but I had a friend whose fiance died in a crop dusting. Well, he owned the land. He was a farmer. 
but they were flying low to kind of see the condition of the crops and they crashed. And I just think about some of the safety, you know, the, the benefits of these yeah. drones, especially when you've got to fly low to see the condition of the plants. Yeah, think know. about it. So you're not only just mitigating the risk of having mm-hmm. a man in the air or a woman, a man, you know, mm-hmm. a, a human being in the air, um, you're eliminating the risk. So, you know, you're, it, it gets rid of it. And that's, from a safety perspective, is the best thing you can do is just con- eliminate the risk. Right. I also read that uh, you can help with insurance assessments after hurricanes and fires and, and other natural disasters. So h- how is it used in those circumstances? Yeah, so we work with about three different companies that um, uh, provide insurance services. So, for instance, let's say there's a, um, a hurricane in an area. And you are an insurance provider, and you need to essentially figure out what kind of damage was done to 10,000 different homes. Well, one thing, you can, you can send people out there to go look individually, or you can map an entire area and have your adjusters uh, at the office or at home look on the computer and see visually what they would be seeing from like driving by. Driving by, yeah. So effectively, they don't have to go out to site. They can see you know, anything that happened. Um, and that's one of the ways they're being used. Another way to use it, uh, and we've had discussions with some um, insurance service providers on this, is to essentially build 3D models or build, you know, capture the data on all the assets, whether it be homes or commercial buildings, um, prior to anything happening. So you have a set digital mm-hmm. model um, or a digital twin of whatever assets you're insuring. And then what you can do after a post a catastrophic event we can go and fly it again and what you can do now that you have two models of the same thing you can use algorithms to compare the two right and do change detection and instead of somebody having to look through the images and see what's wrong you can actually just have a computer say hey here's the differences between this house now and this house after the hurricane and you could it'll circle the the points that are different. So this oh. this roof right here is collapsed, or this you know mm-hmm. panels down, or whatever. So that's that's where it's going. God, it seems like even as consumers, we we might be well served to plan ahead at some point. You yeah, know, oh for sure to like document our. We were going through my house earlier just to document. Here's what we have because most of us don't take the time to do that till it's too late. Yeah, and then yeah. you have a disaster, and you're like, well. I've lost more than what the insurance company is telling me I lost. Yeah, so. if you had a digital footprint of exactly what yeah. your your house looked like before it, it could Especially certainly the roof, help. you know, the roof and things like that. Mm. So what about if, if, I think I saw this online, because I was just reading about drones. I really just didn't know much about this. If somebody's lost or like, you know, if somebody gets lost in the forest or whatever, do law enforcement, do they use drones? Like, is this a... They do, they do, and what helps out in that scenario would be a um, a thermal sensor or um, infrared, mm-hmm. so it captures a heat signature, uh, kind of like nineteen nineties Predator. Remember that movie? Uh, well, anyway, yeah. I, I saw it. It was a good movie. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, so that you can see the heat, the temperature of mm-hmm. you know. Uh, in comparison, and if you see a person in the woods, they're going to show up as orange. Wow. Um, so you can, especially yeah. at night, it's very useful. Yeah. I saw an ad um, during the football game yesterday about somebody fell. You know, it's an ad for Apple Watches, but not everybody has an Apple Watch where it's going to send a notice to the law enforcement. So I can see this coming in handy. Yeah. Um, and then construction sites, why don't you talk about 
your experience, um, how you, you really came to see the value of these drones? Sure, yeah. So uh, my background is in uh, heavy industrial project management and in particularly um, project controls or tracking the progress of construction sites. So back when I was working for Cajun Constructors, we were using, we started using drones for just marketing purposes. And we... How so? Like, how would they use it for that? Well, they would just want to showcase a project, you know, take images of the projects, put it in our uh, quarterly newsletter, that sort of thing. Uh, But we weren't using it for, you know, progress monitoring. So when I first saw the images, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can I can use this for progress monitoring. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, there's going to be so many things that you're going to be able to use drones for. You know, I I want to get into this space. I want to invest in this, et cetera. Because that was people heavy. All the project. Oh yeah, management. yeah. So for for project controls, we had I don't know ten, twelve people, assistant project managers that had to, to walk the site three to four days a week to take progress on the on all the work being done. And now you can just send a drone up there and take um, essentially take an ortho mosaic, which is like a really high accuracy, high resolution Google Earth view mm-hmm. where you can scroll in and scroll out of the entire site every week. And then your project controls individuals can essentially check on this foundation, check on this pipe, uh, make sure that this paving's been poured, has the rebar, rebar been installed on this piece of foundation, et cetera, et cetera, without having to leave the office. And Does you, the computer also tell the percentage of work completion? No, you yet? still have to do that manually, but to it's going to get there. Uh-huh. It's going to get there. That's probably five years away, I would think. But mm-hmm. there's companies out there, um, you know, new tech startup companies out there trying to solve for all these different things. They're trying yeah. to automate everything. Right. Yeah. So you saw the benefit of it, and you just made the move to start your own company. Yeah. So not initially. Not initially started. Well, yeah. So That's a big jump. I saw it. the benefit. Yeah, I saw the benefit. I just thought, you know, it's, it's going to be everywhere. And I thought somebody has to collect all this data. Collection is going to be key, is what I thought, because you can have all this software. You know, I was talking about, you know, the initial investments went into software, equipment, and you know all the hardware equipment and software but you're missing a key piece is the person to go collect it and being in construction i know how important it is to have a good service provider mm-hmm. you know and being able to manage the collection of data at large scale i knew that was going to be a problem um so yeah so i essentially um started off by uh making a key hire for someone to get in the industry um, while I stayed in construction for a little while. And then mm-hmm. once we kind of... Kept kinda, your day job. Yeah, kept my day, my day job. Once we, once I saw that it was going to, that we had something going, particularly with a network model where we have pilots all across the country, which gives us the ability to capture data timely at a really good price point and guarantee, um, guarantee, um, quality mm-hmm. um you know we, we have project managers in-house as well once once i once we figured that all out then then i went ahead and uh, started doing uh, this full time yeah. yeah why don't we pause i want you to get into that because <clears throat> you're a large you've, you've got lots of people working for you on a contract basis i want to get into your business and, and talk about why you're here in lafayette but if you don't mind i'd like to pause first and listen back to an interview we did with another entrepreneur named Matt Stuller of Stuller Settings, 
one of the largest producers and distributors of fine jewelry in the United States. In this interview, Matt looks back on how he got his start as a young man, determined to be a success and to stay right here in Lafayette, Louisiana, his beloved hometown. And Matt also started Parish Proud a few years back in a quest to get all of us to stop littering and keep our community clean and a place to live. You can hear his interview on discoverlafayette.net along with about 240 others. Let's take a listen. So when I came to my parents uh, right out of high school, literally a week out of high school, and I announced to them you know, that I was going into business and I told them what I was doing, they were extraordinarily just flabbergasted <laughs> by disappointment. Uh, uh, my mother, you know, was an English teacher. She was very prim and proper, you know, well-educated. My dad, you know, was a doctor, a, a DDS, specializing in orthodontistry for, at that time, just children. And uh, they thought that my, you know, best opportunities in life would be to go to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother used to always tell me, you know, you better get your grades up or, you know, you're going to go out and be collecting garbage. Well, she only knew how much money was in garbage today. Um, and that you do want to pick up garbage and make it a better town. And, and, so. and, I, and I am picking it up almost every day. Yes. So, uh, you know, there was this kind of uh, insight, you know, of I wanted to prove them wrong. Uh, I wasn't going to fail because they were so worried that I was going to fail. Uh, and then you compound that, you know, the first time I went to New York, which was 1971, oh. and I shared, you know, with many of the uh, jewelry experts in the field uh, of what my plan was, they kind of laughed and says, Matthew, you can't do that in Lafayette, Louisiana. Really? You have no train labor. You mm-hmm. can't manufacture down there. This distribution of overnight and getting it out in the mail the same day and particularly, you know, with a smile. Uh, they said, you know, you, you will outgrow that very quickly and you'll never be able to maintain mm-hmm. that service level that you've described. And I think that that was kind of the, you know, cementing uh, of my um, persistence mm-hmm. of not failing. Right. You never wanted to take their advice and move to New York or a larger place? I mean, did you think about that? So... Uh, I mean, no. I mean, no. how could you, how could you uh, move when you live in the best place in the world? Welcome back to Discover Lafayette with Adam Zayer, CEO of Fly Guys. So, Adam, you made the decision to leave your day job and make your side hustle, your main hustle. Mm-hmm. And I know that had to be, um, I just can't even imagine what a thrill that was, but also probably a scary thing to do. Yeah, so from a young age, I always knew I wanted to be in business. Um, just because, yeah, I just I, I loved building things and I loved creating things, and that's just kind of my personality type. I have to say that I wasn't as scared as I should have been. Well, maybe that was a good thing. It know? was a good thing. <laughs> if you thought I think, about it too much, it might not have happened. Exactly. I was a little blind as to what, <laughs> what everything that went into, you know both the effort, but also the emotional toll and, you know, everything that goes into starting a business, especially one that's been funded that, you know, you're trying to drive in a new industry. And it's just the amount of stress can be um, overwhelming, insane for sure. Were you living here in Lafayette at the time? 
Uh, I had moved. I okay. moved. Yeah. Once I started full time, I, I moved. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lafayette was a better location. Yeah. That my, I have a lot of family over here. A okay. lot of aunts and uncles. Yeah. Cousins. So you're based in downtown Lafayette. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about that, because when you you just started a few years back, and as I said, you've got what over a thousand or two thousand contract workers right around we have, the country. Uh, Forty five hundred contract 4, workers in our network. Uh-huh. Um. We have 17 full-time employees. Uh, downtown. Uh, well, the majority of them are downtown. Some of them are crews that drive around because we do have a, a LIDAR division where, that we currently do in-house just because the equipment's really expensive and it's highly technical. What we can sub out, we do sub out, though. The majority of our work is subbed out um, through um, through the pilot network. But, um, you know, and then we have about six project managers that manage the day-to-day operations of the pilots and coordinate uh-huh. and, you know, make sure they're getting everything they need and just, you know, everything that goes into project management. How does that work for your contractors? Are they, do they have their own drones or do you provide the No, it's, it's very similar to Uber where the driver has their own car. Mm-hmm. Our pilots have their own equipment. And the good thing about that from a financial standpoint is our business is theoretically infinitely scalable. Um, and we don't, incur a cost until we have you know revenue coming in from a job so they can work part-time and have a full-time job and they can be doing this yeah yeah Uh yeah yeah. and it depends on the type of project you know so like a thermal job for scanning a a solar plant that's you know two thousand acres uh you know in in size um you know that's probably going to be somebody that that this is their full time job. Mm-hmm. If it happens to be you know a real estate image in Houston, that might be somebody that just does it as a hobby. So it all depends, and we qualify the pilots. And uh-huh. you know, um, after every job, we you know um, take down information, make sure they did a good job, and that sort of thing. So, do you supply the work for them, or do people call them? But they're they work oh no, for no all guys. the work goes through us. The majority of our clients are large scale. Companies that need consistent data collected across the country. Mm-hmm. So a good example would be large telecom clients that own oh. telecom towers, cell phone towers. You know, they're installing these 5G um, pieces of equipment everywhere. Well, um, these towers need to be inspected for a number of reasons, you know, every every year to every three years, mm-hmm. um, especially if you want to install a new piece of equipment on them. So we'll essentially, you know, we probably inspect or we'll 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 scan about 500 to a thousand towers every month or two um and essentially what we do is we we fly around the tower um circularly and we take images from different different elevations and then those get stitched together and then the engineers at these telecom companies can just pull dimensions and build have an original model of what they want to build on top of it to support, you know, any new structures that they want to put on it. So instead of sending a man up the tower, you know, to scale it, to scale it. And you you have a safety risk here. Um, The engineers can now, you know, just look at the images from their office Mm -hmm. and essentially build an AutoCAD, import these 3D models into AutoCAD and just engineer new items, new piece of equipment onto it. Do the drones that you buy, do they, are they keeping up with what your demands are, or is it changing quickly? Like the technology that you've purchased to date, yeah. you know, is it, does it, does it stick with it, or do you have it, to upgrade? It does, and the reason is because, you know, the software platforms that utilize the data are built 
with specific parameters in mind. So that's kind of the thing holding back uh, some of the new adoption of some of the newer technology out there. But, you know, eventually the software platforms will um, incorporate the new technology out there. So it's going at a good rate, a good pace. So if I understand, so when you buy a drone, are they for specific uses only? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. do you buy a specific type of drone to do this telecom look versus the drones that monitor plant uh, Short answer is yes, development. but the way I look at it is sensor types because the sensor is the data that you're getting. So if, I see. Yeah, so RGB, you know, you could have a bunch of different drones that all had an RGB camera, just whatever your iPhone takes, right? The thermal camera requires, it's, a, it's its own sensor and only a certain number of drones mm-hmm. can carry that thermal camera. Same with the multispectral, same with LiDAR. Mm-hmm. LiDAR is a lot heavier, so it's going to need a more powerful drone, that sort of thing. So, Right. Yeah. So do people ever call you and um, want inappropriate things done? You All know, the time. like uh, peeping, like, I want to see what's going on in that house, or is my wife going, you know, she yeah. running around? like? <laughs> yeah, uh, that happens a lot. That happens a lot. Uh, we typically don't don't engage just because it's not recurring work, you know, and it's... If it was recurring work. I don't know what the regulations are. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, we typically shy away from that sort of thing, but uh, we do get requests. You do? Mm-hmm. From private investigators? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. All the you time. you could probably put them out of business. Well, I think if there's you a... you wanted to, you know. I don't... Yeah, I think there's a lot of... Dirty business. A lot of office work that goes in that, too. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I... Yeah. We're not specialists in that area, so. I mean, can you just, I'm just curious, like the first call you ever got, was it just hilarious or were you shocked? You know, like somebody really wanted you to do something that was not well, okay, in so your business plan. S- someone a year ago called today, or a year ago called, and their neighbor was flying a drone. And <laughs> this guy wanted to fly a drone and go fly over them because they were doing it. Them. Oh, to get him back. Yeah, and I, I probably stayed on the phone for 15 minutes with this guy. And I'm just buy your own drone, you know, mm-hmm. if this is something you want to do. But don't you um, have to be licensed to fly it? If it's for commercial use. Oh, but if it's just like to get back to your neighbor. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we get. I mean, just like everything, we uh-huh. we get phone calls. So. Yeah, I'd be worried. Um, like I don't know how to use it. I'd be worried that I would fly into somebody's house, like break the glass or something. Are they difficult to to learn to use? Uh, you know, for kind of not commercial use, but just yeah. I mean, if if you've play, ever played video games, you'd probably pick it up pretty quickly. Um, but it's just like anything. Just like you know, typing mm-hmm. on a keyboard, you had to learn how to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, just yeah. like anything. You think people are out there doing inappropriate, like you know, buying them off the shelf and spying on their neighbors? Do you think? I don't see that around here, but I mean, I have older neighbors. Uh, well, I mean, people are people, so yeah. I'm sure they're utilizing whatever tools they can get to do whatever weird things they're yeah. going to do. But yeah. I mean, well, I like what you're doing that's legal and, and commercial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Well, we were talking before we started taping, and you know, the more the technology improves, the more I believe and I'm seeing that not only do we need to stay trained, but people can be displaced in the, I mean, just in a second. Like work that's been honorable work for forever is going to be displaced by these drones or other technologies. You know, it's just amazing how quickly things have, have changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, drones have a long way to go in, you know, 
a lot of the drone pilots have been thinking, you know, uh, automation might get rid of their jobs, you know, automatic flying and that sort of thing. But you're always going to need somebody on the drone side, at least paying attention to the drone, mm-hmm. seeing it and that sort of thing. As a, you know, going into automation and just all this different technology, yeah, it's something that we're going to have to figure out as a society because, you know, 50 mm-hmm. years from now or even 20, 25 years from now, oh, it's going to look a lot different. Right, right. Some yeah. of the things that we're studying in college today, I mean, I, I don't know if they're teaching this in college. Do you know if there's any... Yeah, there's, there's a few programs out there. We actually just made a new pro- assistant project manager hire um, from an individual that just graduated from a drone program. Was it a four-year college or like a, a community college type of setting? I think it was a community college mm-hmm. type of setting. Right, because it just seems like this could be something that you don't need four years to study. You need intense education on but, safety and, and techniques. You yeah, know? and then you know you get into... You know, the different ways to analyze the data mm-hmm. and all the different software platforms out there. I mean, this thing, remember, this we're only at 8% as far as, you know, uh, the development of the market and where this mm-hmm. thing's going to go. I can't tell you all the amazing things that are going to be built from this technology. Um, what are you anticipating, you know, that's not available yet that you'd like to see? I think see? every single asset, every single structure in the world is going to be mapped on a recurring basis. And you're going to be able to detect change mm-hmm. in buildings and detect change in different assets and structures. Think if, about bridges. Not monthly, you know? Bridges, yeah, if not monthly, yearly. Yeah. And, like, and then what you're going to be able to tell from that data, and you're going to be able to model mm-hmm. reality, essentially. Mm-hmm. That, that's where it's going. And then and anything you can build on top of that. Has government hired you very often? Do you get hired, um, like let's say by DOTD or something, to go inspect... A bridge that they think. No, is- we've worked for the city of Houston once, but we 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 we, we chase private work mainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm just thinking in Louisiana in particular with the state of our infrastructure, to be able to map and document. Well, that bridge was like this in 2020, and then it was like this in 2022, and or that building that collapsed, you know, in Florida, yeah. the the condo that just collapsed, that was probably just waiting to happen, but. Yeah. 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 Well, anything I haven't asked you, Adam, I just find this fascinating, and it's also very technical. So I'm going to have to get some notes from you about some of the cameras and sensors you were talking about. But anything that you wanted to get in, you know, your downtown Lafayette, where's your office? Uh, 120 Clinton. So people can just find you on flyguys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flyguys.com. Yeah. That's correct. Um, no, just it's, it's a big market where, um, you know, we started with, you know, two people here uh, back in 20. 20- 17 or so now we're at 17 Mm -hmm. so i mean i just hope to continue adding value to the lafayette area has lus fiber been a help to you do you utilize that Um, oh yeah uh yes yeah we do and you want to stay in lafayette i do i like lafayette a lot yeah because you're from slidell and you were working in Lake Charles, I was kind of curious right about you being here. Yeah. yeah. If your family's here, some family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom actually sense. has a big family. She's got nine brothers and sisters. Here? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. What a great place for you to, to live. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So. Put those people to work, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam Sayer, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. And I want people to know about you because this is... I think this is what you represent, Lafayette, the, the, the wildcatter mentality that Greg Gautreaux used to talk about. You're building a business here, and you really could be doing this anywhere. You could be in Houston or 
Nashville or something, but I'm, I'm really excited that you decided to be here in Lafayette. So thank you for what you're doing to build our economy. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And it's nice to meet you. I've been wanting to meet you. So thank you for taking time today. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. And I'd, I'd like to also thank our listeners. Thank you for being so loyal. And I want to encourage you to subscribe to discoverlafayette.net. And please go to our website. You can check out. There's a lot of show notes with each of our interviews. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got about 240 right now. And the show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. I'd like to thank Oxner, Lafayette General, and Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape. Thank you for making our show possible. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you. Thank you.